mea culpas or apologies from the last pod we need to issue to anybody? <laughs> I, I need to issue an apology, okay. actually. Thank All you, right, Kyle. Let's start yeah. out with that. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is my bad because uh, I got called out on it from a buddy of mine from the gym. So I, I, I guess he was listening to one of the episodes where I went through kind of like my morning routine. And I said, I wake up at about 4.30 and get myself ready, go to the gym, and I get there at 5 o'clock. And he said, as soon as I said I get there at 5 a.m., he wanted to turn the podcast off because it was a lie. And he's, he's totally right because I am habitually late. No, not no. No, no way. Yes, There's no way Lance is late. So he, he's absolutely right. They call me 505 at the gym because I'm always there at five minutes after. So you can always count. I'm, I'm consistent, if nothing else. But right. I had to make amends to that. And uh, my buddy Phil from the gym that he's correct. I, it's not 5 o'clock. It's 505 because I'm always late. You're well, Lance, nice. a little known secret is when you have three kids, you get that automatic pass everywhere you, you go. You do, so. but they're technically asleep when, when I'm getting ready for the yeah. gym, so I don't That's have true. that excuse. Uh, yeah. can still use I it. usually just get stuck on the bathroom. Use That's yeah. Well, if well you brushed your teeth Full before disclosure. going to the gym, it would make more sense that you were late. <laughs> yeah. Since you don't even brush your teeth, it, yeah. it doesn't make it's sense. It's true. And it's the old saying, if you're always five minutes late, then you could really be on time because mm-hmm. all you'd have to do is move your schedule five minutes. But hey, everybody has their thing. Well, my boss says if you're on time, you're late. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stupid saying. <laughs> it is a stupid saying, actually. Yeah. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Yeah. And anyway, good to be here. So, special episode today. We're, we're joined by a special guest who will intro here in a second. But yeah. I had to look up our previous episodes. We haven't had a guest on. It was about two and a half years. Ooh. It was uh, Scott Batson with Get yeah. Star Ministries. Yeah. That was the last one that I saw. So, I don't know why uh, we... <laughs> went away from having guests on. Well, yeah. if, I, if I recall, I've been asking for this guest for about two and a half years. So. Well, Nobody said no. Yeah. Listen, listen, we had to vet him out. It was a very deep, deep was vetting, a long process. vetting process. Yeah. That's he true. came back clear, so yeah. That's we're true. Him on. Well, I'm a little bit nervous because I'm like, is this interviewing like riding a bike? Ooh. We're getting ready to find out. We, we could smack the wall. We don't know. Yeah. Well, do we want to do a little warm-up session here first before we introduce our our? I think, our we, should, I think we should introduce him. Okay. Yeah, I think By we just means. warmed up. Well, let's let Adam. Let's, let's let Adam. Adam's been hey, working this warm, thing for go. two and a half years, <laughs> so let's let, let's let him introduce let's our go, guest. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Pressure's on. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the presence of royalty right now. Uh, our guest is a man of many talents. He is a father of two. He's a husband of one, as far as we know. Uh, he's a fellow camper. He's a pastor. And he's also a good friend, Mr. Josh. Is it Wooten or Woosley? I'm not sure which one. Wooten, it is. Wooten Mr. Oh, Josh Wooten. No, welcome in, Mr. Wooten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm happy to be here. Two and a half years. Yes. I just yeah. found out last yes. week. Yeah. Um, uh, you guys don't have much of a vetting process yeah. if I'm sitting in this chair right now. Well, we got. And I do know that you've had Travis Howe and Chet Roberts on the pod. Yes. So let's be real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How high is the bar, really? You know, when you get agents involved looking these things, it just bogs it down. They do. They do. Red tape. Yeah. My rider, um, I don't see anything that I put on it. We'll talk about that afterwards. Yeah, though. yeah, we'll get, so, we'll get that's that. That's all right. Yeah. We'll Have get your the green M&M's. Team, yeah. No, I'm, I am stoked to be on here with you guys. I've actually been listening on and off for quite a while and um, did happen to tune into last week's episode. And one of the... Uh, Very sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things you say, he's a pastor. I'm like, I hope I'm going to be a pastor after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want the kids coming in in my room. This yeah. might be a limited release. We'll, we'll try yeah. to keep the swear words to a minimum on this yeah. episode. Yeah. Kyle, looking okay, at you. Okay, all right. Keep that uh, seven-second delay handy yeah. over there, Ray. No, we can't promise anything. As you may have already noticed, we don't do a lot of planning for episodes we yep. did we talk to you really about anything before you sit down ready fire aim yeah, no this right. is yeah. <laughs> nothing. we'll try to keep it in bounds <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, josh would you rather go on, on a solo 
<clears throat> rapid fire two minute drill, or would you rather do a little group discussion? Let's go group discussion. All right, I let's think, open I think we should. Yeah, let's do that. Perfect. All right, group discussion. So I've all been right. brainstorming this off and on for a little while. Do so we have a working wanna, title for this? I think it can be better, but okay. I, I've come up with a name. It's just called React. All right. Okay. So how long did it take you to come up with that name? Did you copy this afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> on the is way it, over. Is it an acronym? Yeah, I like or it. something. Yeah. I want yeah. you guys to react. Now that so, I would be impressed with. Okay, I'm ready. As I mentioned earlier, not a lot of playing, so I haven't let anybody in the room in on this game, um, and exactly what's going to happen. Josh, don't feel nervous because everybody else is just as nervous. Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out a topic. You're, you have no idea what's coming, and I want you guys to react to it. Whatever comes to your mind. But I would say, obviously, sometimes we can have the same opinion. I want you to take, make an effort to maybe take the other side right. if you hear it going one way. All it's right. either going to be great or it's going to crash and burn. All right. And we'll blame it on Josh and we'll do funny. it again. Yeah, yeah. it's his fault. <laughs> right, let's go. All right, perfect. Okay. Are you all ready? Yes. React. Yes. Skinny jeans for men. I'm all right with it. What was I not supposed to say? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I can, I can, I can honestly say I accidentally bought a pair of skinny jeans. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. And I just... have the said skinny jeans that I've worn a couple times, and I just didn't feel comfortable in. I want to see Kyle's. And yeah. I, I do. I've see got them. I'll, I'll suit up. I'll can suit we up make that happen for the next? Yes. Episode. They're now. I don't know if they're the true blue skinny. They're slim. I thought I was buying the athletic. Have you heard of the athletic taper, yeah, which I like? The, the stretchy jeans. Yeah, they, you gotta get. yeah. these are taut. I, I mean, I've got chicken legs, but they're taut on my legs. So I am, as a wearer of slim slash skinny jeans, I'm out on them hmm. for men my age. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're of age when you start using words like my age. Yes. <laughs> I think Kyle has embraced 40. I got to tell yeah, you, man. He's gone all in. You know, I came up. My time, I came up with the Jinko jeans, so we went the complete, you know, the huge, like you couldn't even see your shoes. I didn't have any of those, but that was popular when I was Jinko a kid. jeans, yeah. that's a new one. Yeah, yeah, check that out. They're okay. coming back. Yeah, never heard of my Jinkos? son is nine, eighteen, yeah. and he that's what he's wearing is those huge jeans. And I can't yeah. bring myself. I realize I'm a little too big up top to like really wear some skinny jeans <laughs> like i think there's got to be some symmetry there yeah, it's you're true. a thin man mm-hmm. you can pull off yeah. a pair of skinny jeans even in your 50s 60s whatever but when you're a guy like me that carries your six pack in like one container up top yeah, here and you squeeze into say. some skinny yeah. jeans it just doesn't quite you look don't look like a tree sprout i look yeah. like a yeah, can of biscuits yeah. that like busted <laughs> on the side of the <laughs> counter you know like trying to get fit into those things lance hasn't weighed in if i, I feel well, like listen. anybody could pull it it could probably be lance. yeah i was yes, gonna say if you can pull it off i'm all for it it's not necessarily my thing i actually do have like a like a couple pairs of like i would say skinny slacks that i like but I haven't really crossed over to the skinny jeans. I mean, you can I, borrow I, mine. I like you them a little some tight. skinny shorts tonight. I've yeah, mm-hmm. yeah well, tight. it took me a while to come around on the short shorts. And easy, I'm, easy, I'm, Josh. I'm, yeah. All I see was legs. I didn't <laughs> like, see any shorts. It's like a five and a half inseam over here, boys. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. High now. and tight, just <laughs> like he likes his haircut. <laughs> so, yeah, if you can pull it off, more power to you. All right. Great job. Okay. React, topic two. Arranged marriages. Something y'all probably haven't thought about in a while, no. yeah. or maybe I ever. I just feel like I have no familiarity there, so to me, it's like an automatic no. Mm-hmm. But that's just because I'm ignorant to it, I guess. I would like to know more. 
<laughs> is she hot like, or not? Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hey, your guy. All right, there, there's there's layers. I, well, keep in mind you're answering from two different places, both right. you getting married, which right. you already are, right. and your child. So, I mean, the flip side of this coin is that you get to find the mate for your yeah. son and daughter. I'm sort of in on that one. Yeah, that's not bad yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. Okay, there's layers to it. Yeah. If it's me right. getting involved in arranged marriage, like Lance said, number one, I got to see... Like, what, what the hotness level is. It seems to be assuming like, you got to no, be attractive. Assuming you're no longer married. Yes. Yeah, this is 20 years Physical ago. Physical and <laughs> emotional and all. Yeah. Sorry, on every Jessica. level. I, I'd Very like to see area. what the endowment is, because if, mm-hmm. if dad's bringing million bucks to this thing, then, you know, that probably adds a couple to the old hotness okay. meter, too, that, right? That does change things. Yeah. So, I'm not out, but I'm I'm not in either. <laughs> but, yeah. You kind of got yeah. your toes in the water. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if her name's Bertha and she's bringing spend about three spins on the scale, I'm probably out. <laughs> But yeah, our apologies to anyone named Bertha who's yeah. having a and you might be three spins. So, yeah, <laughs> that was really out of left field. Yeah, I wasn't expecting. Don't that. get comfortable, guys. Okay, yeah. okay. You, you just don't know what's coming. All right. Any other thoughts on arranged marriages before we move on? You know, at this point, I would like to um, go ahead and pick one out for my hmm. son. Yeah. The way that he's rolling right now, like, <laughs> he, he needs his Lena. Yeah. We pray for her often. <laughs> yeah, probably put a pin in that. That's yeah. probably a discussion to have about who your kids and their dating life and what they bring home. Yeah, we. Yeah. I've got some questions there for Josh. Yeah. later. Yeah. How old is your son, Josh? He's eighteen. 18. Oh, okay. yeah. Young enough to know it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our kids aren't, uh, the rest of our kids aren't of age to really care about boys or girls yet. So. Yeah. Emery's just we're, we're getting ready to enter some scary yeah. times, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. Yeah, she's nine. She's just going to live at I home. Do not envy any right of now. you. Yeah. Almost React, out. Right, topic here. three. Men riding in the passenger seat of a car while their wife is driving. Mm, no, hard pass on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got to be sick, yeah. broken bones. I don't know. Even with a broken bone, I might drive. Mm-hmm. I'm out. Unless it's just like a serious situation. All right. Confession. I had, oh. I, I'm usually, uh, that's a hard pass. Like, I don't like to ride with my wife in the car with her driving. Just do not. Today, 50 miles an hour on the interstate because I had some emails I had to answer. We were driving from Hendersonville to Gulletsville. I said, okay, I'll just ride in your car. We'll, I'll sit in the passenger side. I answered my emails in less than five minutes, and I regretted <laughs> the rest of the rest. We were doing 50, and people were passing us like yeah. we are sitting still. And she's like, oh, I'm, not, I'm doing 60. I'm like, now you are that I said something about yeah. it. She drives a nice car. It's got sport mode and everything. Yeah. She, It's never seen it. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's good it. to be reminded of that rule that you had. And yeah. You're, yeah. Like, you're like, you get a little lax on it. It's good yeah. to be reminded. Yeah. Yes. It's not my favorite thing, but we got a new car recently, and I feel like in that you kind of have to share like you know because they want to you know she wants to drive i want to drive so there's a little give give and take there what kind of driver is your wife i prefer not to get myself in trouble on the okay. podcast yeah. i didn't so want to destroy gonna, your marriage yeah. but yeah okay well, just well, to edit that out adam yeah. <laughs> thank you for the reminder uh, yeah. Yeah. the driving one was a little soft so she'll forgive me on that duly noted duly noted you might listen to this i was now. gonna say you didn't tell her you're actually doing this did you? yeah I, we'll her. I tried to get her to listen in the car uh, just as i was doing my homework and she was like do we really have to? i'm like no babe we don't oh. it's all good sorry fellas yeah, yeah don't okay. worry no, like you're not their yeah. audience yeah anyway, we know our target nobody listens to us anymore sometimes our wives don't even so all right we're gonna wrap it up one one last one this one's a little bit tougher. You may have to go a little deeper just to think about what, what you might want to say. All right. Common sense. It's not so common anymore. Oh, mm-hmm. boy, I stole the words out of my mouth. Sorry. Definitely becoming less common. <laughs> yeah. Is that like because we're getting older or is it actually Well, I don't want to turn this into a whole generation thing and softness and 
earmuffs wokeness yeah. and but yeah yeah he's attacking your generation Lance. well <laughs> i'm gonna take this a different direction yeah i mean to, to josh's point I, I feel like it's not as common these days but i've caught myself getting onto my kids for things that to me i'm like oh that's common sense to me but then i'm like you know what they haven't lived they haven't experienced you know like, like you know Kids, I, you know, I get on to all the time for jumping, running in the house, and telling them to not do stupid stuff and because they don't know. It's not common sense to them yet. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like I just kind of need to give them a little bit of a break and not be so hard on them. So I feel like common sense is like it just kind of comes with age, I guess. I think you're on to something there, what you're talking about. It's like we're older and wiser, and it's probably because we've done all that yeah. dumb, non-common yeah. sense <laughs> stuff already. So, And then I get too upset with my kids. I'm like, you know yeah. what? Pull it back. Pull it back, Lance. Don't don't get that mad. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we would all agree at some point. It's, there's an age out there where you're expected yeah. you either should have it or you don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to ask Josh because he's had more experience than us with older kids, right. maybe college age. Do you think there's an age where you're like, you know what, this, <laughs> yeah. this one's just not going to get it. There's right. no hope. Is it 25, 30? Well, I don't know. You know, scientists say that the, the frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until they are 25. And I have to remind myself that often. And even my wife and I, this morning in our discussion, you know, we were talking about Hannah and her new husband and all the things that, you know, challenges that they may face. And as a parent, you don't want to be overcritical of your kids and how they do life because you want them to have their own thing and their own way of doing mm-hmm. things. And, and she looked at me and she goes, you can't expect him to be where you are right now, you know, in the way that he's going to treat her and the things yep. that they're going to do. He's going to have to learn a lot of that stuff. But you weren't like that to me when you were 23. And I'm you know, yes, man. Yeah. yeah. And that's where, and that is man, another you can, lesson. You can drive the car. That's yeah. another lesson in patience you have to learn because, yes. like you said, boy, you want to just spoon, even at my kids' age, nine and five, you want to spoon feed them like, you're seeing trees, I'm seeing the forest here, let me, let me help you, I've been here, and it just, some things you just have to learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we learn. I mean, yep. that's the, the whole point of it. We were talking about that in our parenting class this week. I don't want to jump too far ahead, mm-hmm. but it's no. like allowing your kids to fail and mm. watching them do it, knowing it's going to happen, yeah. but realizing, you know, goodness gracious, responsibility isn't genetic. It yeah. doesn't just happen. You know, yeah. you have to create opportunities for them to learn from their mistakes. Yeah. And much rather them do it under my roof and in my care where I can coach them up a little bit, yeah. you know, on the backside of it. And uh, rather than spoon feeding them and not teaching them anything in life, kick them square in the stuff, yeah. you know, when yeah. they get out of the house and don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, because like you said, it's you learn more from your failures than you ever do from your success, and a lot of truth in that with sports and life and just faith and everything. It's you always learn more when you screw up. It's mm-hmm. a, with stupidity comes wisdom sometimes, I guess. All right, well done, guys. Yeah, uh, y'all exceeded my expectations. Maybe we'll uh, do that again. Yeah, enjoy, I enjoy it's always react. good to exceed. Mm-hmm. Are you going to have like a stinger kind of music <laughs> get chat to get you react? That's Adam's category. I'm sure he could pull that off. Brainstorm. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't take him long enough to edit this thing anyway. Yeah, so we're so good now. That's, a, it's just, that's yeah. an extra. It's almost live radio now. So. All right. So before we get into our man's stats over here, we're going to have a, an old classic that we used to pull with our guest. Oh, Kyle's bringing paper yeah, out. Yeah, look at that. Well, I didn't do this. Ryan gave it okay. to me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not prepared. So, to, acting like yeah. I could read the questions from here. Cor- yeah. Correct me Don't if I'm wrong, yeah. but I'm pretty sure we called this the two-minute drill, but it only lasted for like 60 seconds. Yes. Is that what we did? This it is, never made sense. <laughs> yeah, it's Maybe we should actually make it two minutes. Yeah. 
Because there's there's twenty good questions. So, it's 20 good so questions. what's the? It's twenty questions in two minutes. Is yeah. that what I'm and supposed to? And you're rapid firing these questions. Well, first thing to your top of your mind, get it out. We're just gonna get to know you a little better. Yeah. All right. You let me know when you're ready, Lance, and I'll start. But Josh, are you ready? I the two minute I'm ready. drill. You look with ready. Josh. All right. Yeah, he's born ready. Go. Your favorite sitcom of all time. The Office. One of your hobbies we wouldn't know about. Uh, oh, video editing. Did you hear that, That's Adam? Good, yeah, yeah, good to know. Uh, more likely <laughs> We're to, looking for some free labor. Yeah, more likely to be real. Bigfoot or aliens? Aliens. All right, we'll get into that more. If you could only <laughs> listen to one band or artist to the rest of your life, who would it be? Oof. Uh, probably Bob Dylan. Ooh, another good call. Uh, other than Jesus, who's your favorite Bible character? David. Nice. I mean, what would your family say is the most irritating thing that you do around the house? Complain about the lights not being turned off. Uh. Oh man, that's dad one on one right there. Yeah. Fitting right in, Josh. Yeah. Lance, Lance yeah. loves you. We will have a thirty minute segment on that. After Might that. have a fifth denominator. Yeah. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? I like the Woody Woodpecker. Oh yeah, that's good. Mm. What is your favorite fast food cheeseburger? Does a food truck count? Yeah, sure. Dream Burger Nashville. Hmm. All right, never heard of that. Oh, Check gosh. that out. Right outside of Vinyl Taps. Best burger. What is one of your pet peeves? His wife driving too slow. Lazy. Not turning the lights off. <laughs> people being mean to other people or laziness. Yeah, there you go. That's good. What is your top bucket list item? I want to go uh, out west with my wife for like just travel, state parks and stuff. National parks, rather. Mm. What is your favorite podcast? This one not. This one not. You know, that's we're this not trying one, to lead you. Um, I enjoy a podcast called And the Writer Is. It's a guy, Ross Golan, who interviews um, songwriters. All right. Huh. We've got a little tidbit that you might be a sneakerhead. So, what's your favorite oh. pair of shoes you've ever owned? Oh, I have a pair that of nineteen ninety four Jordan ones, Chicago's, that I'm very fond of. Mm, man, who's watching those right now? Um, while you're here, they're in my closet <laughs> in a safe, far, far in <laughs> yeah, underground. They are. My son took them to Belmont when he moved to this freshman. <laughs> you tracked them down. They were gone. I was like, "What are you doing? Yeah, like, they're in my dorm room." I'm like, "He's got no, an they're not. Not for long." All right, there we go. We learned a lot. It was great. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I, I went like way past learned. two minutes. That's, That's okay. I did, but I was yeah. enjoying it, so yeah. we just kept the clock We're going. learning. Okay. I don't know why we put two minutes on it anyway. Yeah. All right, that was that's a show. Hey. Yeah. Two minute drill. It went over time, so we got to cut there. That yeah. question doesn't count. They were good answers, so yeah. didn't want to interrupt. Office. Great call. Mm -hmm. I still watch that when it's on. It's the I'll one see. show, no matter where you are, yeah. even in an episode, you, they're all one offs. You yeah. can just, I yeah, mean, just there's an underlying story. Yes. You can jump in whenever. If you're having a stressful day, you don't want to think about anything. You just want yep. to laugh. Like Michael Scott was going to get the job done. That's oh, yeah. mine and my wife's like, just 15 minutes if uh -huh. we need at the end of the day to just say the kids have gone to bed we'll just turn on the office and, and obviously we're talking about season six and prior yeah right? yes. after michael yeah. left yeah. and they jumped the yeah. shark yeah if i turn it on it says season eight i'm like Hard no, no. Yeah. season nine out <laughs> no yeah. yeah exactly yeah all right so what are we going to hear we want to get some who is this let's guy let's give the listeners what they want yeah let's you know? get yeah right now he's still Poor a little Josh. bit of a yeah. mystery man mm -hmm. he's, he's still of an unknown at uh -huh. this point so I've done a little bit of research. At five years old, you decided to get in the ministry. At seven, you were preaching. That's pretty much how it went. Is that how it all yeah. came together yeah. for you? Wrong. Yeah. So just kind of tell the people a little bit, brief synopsis of your history and what's led up to where you are now, I guess. Oh, my goodness. So my life in like two minutes or yeah, less yeah. is another two-minute Two Two-minute drill. drill, yeah. Tell all us right. everything we need to know. I was born in Nashville. Parents were, my dad was a musician, professional musician. That's what he did. My mom was a nurse. Both of them hardcore hippies, like our whole house smelt like incense and the other stuff I found out when I was in high school, you know, coming out from under their door. Um, peace, love, and all of the above. Like, they were awesome. 
sweet, you know, people didn't, either one of them didn't come to know the Lord until the very end of their lives. They both unfortunately passed away from cancer when I was very young. My dad at third grade and then my mom when she was in eighth grade. So I went from this loving, peace, love, hippie household, you know, let your hair grow out, do whatever, you know, it was like awesome. But then I moved in with an aunt and uncle, very different scenario. They were you know, young, and I don't fault them. They're 30 years old, had two kids of their own, just babies, and then you've got two teenagers that just lost both their parents, and I was rebellious and angry at God and angry at the world, and so it was just a rough middle school and high school. Like, I wouldn't go back to do that at all, but, um, and unfortunately, my uncle was a little abusive, like, verbally, physically, and stuff, so the day I turned 18, I moved out, and I became one of the most popular kids at Hendersonville High School <laughs> when you have your own apartment and like, you know, <laughs> and you can write your own notes to leave school whenever you want. The teachers did not like that at all. You know, yeah. they, there was some... Is that, is that the rule? If you own your own house, <laughs> yeah. then you can just get to write your own notes. Yeah, I mean... Well, I, there's some 15-year-old yeah. right now that's on Zillow like, man, I think I can... I was, I was literally, you know, I, I was a, my own man. I was 18 yeah. years wow. old and, you know... And, Unfortunately, you know, yeah, it looked real sexy from the outside, but um, I had to work third shift at a, you know, warehouse loading boxes and drag my rear end to school, and I was very fortunate to graduate. Um, I did have a entrepreneurial spirit and a bit of a green thumb, and you can connect those dots to <laughs> figure out how I may have may or may not have made and the right customer base. Some to extra, to the popular guy, yeah, yeah. landscape have the, architect. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So. <laughs> So I was like, what is this baseball stadium like for? My closet. It's dark in there. You need to be able to see. So anyway, um, I went to Hendersonville, graduated by the skin of my teeth, and um, started to actually go to school out at Murfreesboro for a little while. And then um, I read Jack Kerouac's On the Road, and I had a hippie friend of mine who was like, dude, let's just go to Colorado for travel's sake. You know, there's no destination. It doesn't matter. It's all about the journey. And I did it, and it was not the smartest decision I ever made. And so we got a one-way bus ticket to Boulder, Colorado, like after freshman year of college, and started traveling. Met some guys in a VW bus, and it's the whole you know thing, like you know hippies busking for money and and catching trains to go across the country. We had one of these guys we met had his dad worked for one of the railways, and he had maps to where. He knew where these lines were going, and we would literally go, hey, y'all want to go to New Mexico? Like, All right, we'll hop on this train, and we'll sneak in a car and go. And we did that and traveled the country. I think there's been some movies about you that I've watched. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, Josh, what's the time frame on this? I'm just kind of curious like, um, when, when this 1996. is. 1996. Okay. So oh, I was about so two, 90s, two yeah. years out of – yeah, I went – give it a good college yeah. effort you know for one year at murfreesboro and yeah. like i said i was awarded to stay i didn't have parents so you know i couldn't afford school mm-hmm. and wasn't made aware i mean what shouldn't say wasn't made aware i was doing other extracurriculars that i didn't do my due diligence and figuring out all the financial aid that could have been there available right. to me and didn't really have any parental guidance or you know support system in that so I was just traveling and writing songs and going around the country and came up with some pretty um, inventive ways to make money while we were gone. We 
did these curbside addresses where we would like clean up and go to these nicer neighborhoods and like, hey, we'll put, we had stencils and spray paint and like, hey, you know, if EMS comes, they could easily locate your house, the pizza man, all this stuff. And we're just donations. And I was just, my other guys were like spitting some crazy stories to these people. And I'm just a terrible liar. And I was like, hey, this is what it is. I'm a songwriter and I'm traveling for travel's sake. And this is how we make money. And, you know, any donation, that'll be in days. Your neighbor gave us five, 10 bucks and we get enough money to buy pizza in a hotel room and move to the next town and wrote a bunch of songs and got into a little bit of a trouble here and there (laughs) to say the least texas doesn't like hippies and uh volkswagen vans i'll tell you that a bit of a target right (laughs) yeah we stuck out like a sore thumb this is where i'm taking captive of all the other thoughts and things that happened in this season of my life (laughs) and making them obedient yeah I mean, there's probably some good times in there too. Like, too. yeah, I mean, we you could we figured out you could camp in national parks for two weeks in one spot, and you know you'd have to move after 14 days, and you'd have to go somewhere else. And you know, it was I love the outdoors. You know, I'm a camper yeah. guy, and I loved it. It was a lot of fun. It was before cell phones or anything, so I'd literally write letters home, and you know, my poor grandma, <laughs> what are you running from? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not running from anything. I'm just, where are you going? Besides that bear know. last night at Yellowstone. I don't nothing. know. <laughs> well, there was a night where we were camping, and these two grizzly-looking dudes walked up and getting to know their story, and turns out they were fugitives on the run like scapees and i didn't sleep much that yeah, night i was I like imagine. we gotta get out of here yeah. and these guys are like you never saw us like, yes sir you never saw us either <laughs> came home uh finally made my way back home and circled back up with chet roberts who was on uh you guys yeah, podcast, friend of the pod yeah. yeah friend of the pod and um we started a band and played music and did all that thing for quite a while so what was your catalyst to go home were you just did you have the forrest gump moment where you just kind of turned around and went home after about six months (laughs) i got really homesick and i realized there's no future in this and when you're in texas and you have a person that says hey i'm 19 years old and you get pulled over and she was not like with me she was just with us and there's a transient community but turns out she was like a underage runaway and it was like uh, some yeah. sketchy stuff and i was like wait a minute your name's not really sunshine <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah. yeah that was that kind of was the catalyst to go okay this is not all yeah. fun and games and i'm ready to go back home and see my grandma and my family and so you try to make something of my life so you mentioned you and chet got kind of started with a band there and so how far does that carry where where do you get to with that well he and i started writing songs just like madmen about anything stupid stuff we had a friend that got his license his dad was the or his grandfather was a sheriff and he got a hardship of like at 14 years old and he had this big el dorado cadillac and you know one night we wrote a song called jj and the cadillac and just just silly stuff like this (laughs) just writing whatever and we probably wrote a hundred very bad songs terrible songs and and we winded up with that same hippie guy that taught me into moving out and to Colorado for a little while and doing all the traveling thing. He's like, we should start a band, man. And I was like, yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. And I knew a guy who played guitar and Chet, we had just Brad Cummings was on drums and, and we just started this band and it was fun. We did it for about, oh gosh, five, six years. And we had, you know, pretty decent following, you know, it's like 
the old days where you had like mailing lists and yeah. flyers and all that jazz. And, you know, we played like river stages downtown and opened up for widespread panic. And it was crazy. Cause I mean, we just happened to be on the festival bill before they went on. Right. Nobody was there to see us. They could give two rips, <laughs> but the way we build it yeah. is we're opening for widespread. Yeah, we right. made it. You yeah. know? And that's what we told everybody. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what we yeah. told everybody. But as we, um, my wife and I had a child, but she wasn't my wife at the time. I sound like Borat. My wife. <laughs> she, she wasn't my wife. Um, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, so it, yeah, that's where I met my wife. Is actually a place called Low Places there in Hendersonville. <laughs> Sounds like a sad country song already. I heard it was kind of scary. I, Catherine, my wife, actually, you know, so Chet's sister, for those who don't know, took me by that location six or seven months ago. And it, Looks pretty sketchy now. I don't, I don't know what it looked like What's in 1996. It? What's but, it by, by the way? Uh, Miguel's Rustic Chicken. The, so the kind uh, of the kitchen, old part of Henderson. The Hill? old Black yeah. Press off Walton Ferry. There's okay. that little strip mall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Cheese yeah, yeah. meats, the little butcher shop. Yeah. Okay. Back down in that area. Hmm. So it truly is a low place. Oh, it was low. It was <laughs> under the building. Yeah. <laughs> but we sold that mug out. Yeah. Like every, We made some good money. Yeah. That was kind of my question. Is like a band at that stage that you're doing that, is that you're making quote unquote a living doing that i guess yeah i mean we of course a living for us it's right. all relative you right. know he yeah. goes yeah was that place look like it's sketchy now yeah. like i mean look back at our dorm rooms that we stayed in in college we're like yeah this is awesome and look yeah. down like this place is a hole yeah you know was, it's all relative i think right. at the time yeah. or whatever yeah. you're in but for the time yeah we had a band house like three of us would live mm -hmm. in one you know one place with drums in the living room and everything and so it was i mean we were making a living and we actually had a couple of big meetings and one in particular with uh, a guy that was managing collective soul at the time and working with kings of leon and we i mean he pulls up in the the porsche with the white suit and the cigar and like the oh, cul-de-sac yeah. you know balding yeah. like so he's the, really leaning in oh yeah. yeah and yeah. he's like oh you gotta fire your bass player <laughs> nobody wants to sleep with him i'm like what, what are you talking about <laughs> he's been with us forever you know he's yeah. an older guy older right. than the rest of us and he's probably looking back he's probably 33 <laughs> right. like yeah. you know and yeah. we told the guy to take a hike and i guess he kind of not blackballed us but like we didn't have the best reputation and looking back going that's kind of common practice. You yeah. know, you hear that all the time. Oh, we want to sign you, not the whole band, or we just want to sign this part of the duo or whatnot. But we were a band of brothers, and yeah. we are like, we're all in this. And until kids started to come around, and I really got tired of calling my wife, you know, hey, what's going on, babe? How you doing? I hear the kid crying in the background, and I'm like, oh, we're at the bar just like had sound check and about to go do a little college radio station interview and probably be home tomorrow morning you know and it just got yeah. to be where i was using vacation time at, you know some other job that i had and i just it was not me i was yeah. like i'm ready to check out this is not what i want a lot of people listen don't know you at all others that maybe do know who you are are probably shocked by this you know that you see somebody anybody at church and leadership and you just think Oh man, they've had it together their entire mm -hmm. life. Are so, they interviewing one of the Hell's Angels? Or one yeah, of the pastors? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know your your whole story, but I know somewhere in this phase of life, you met Lena and you came to know the Lord. Yes. Like, tell um, us more about that. It's always exciting yeah. to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the redemption part of your yes, story. it. Yes. It started at a Sheryl Crow concert at the Opry House, and I had broken up with my girlfriend, and Lena and I had dated, and then we broke up and you know always kind of wonder where she might be you know and anyway we're 
this is real spiritual in the beer line at the Cheryl Crow concert. And I saw her and I was like, Hey girl, Hey. And she was like, Hey. And we were like, I was there with my sister. She was there with her brother. I was like, all right, there's nobody standing in the way. And one thing led to another. You could hear soaking up the sun in the background. Somehow my sister just dropped me off at her house after the show. And she didn't, you know, she just left me there. And I was like, I'm sorry, I ain't got a ride. And anyway, I guess I had game that night. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. That's how it works. um, She called me about a month later. And my roommate said, hey, Lena called and said, you need to call her no matter what time you get in. And I I knew. I was like trying to. Hey, what's happening? She's like, we need to talk. I'm like, what about next Tuesday? She's like, tonight. Let me check like, my calendar. She's like, tonight. And I knew. And um, she told me the news. And, and I told her point blank. I said, I am the last person on earth you want to be the father of this child. I said, I can't even take care of myself. I'm living in a band house with, you know, we can't hardly keep the lights on. Or we're in this stupid van traveling, doing all this stuff. And and she said, you know, and I'll be honest, um, not a proud moment, but I was even asking her to um, explore other options or whatever. Right. I was being selfish, yeah. scared. I was a kid that never had really from the time I was in seventh grade on, never even knew what a healthy family life looked like. You know, I was just... Uh, you know, Neanderthal, wild gypsy, you know, roaming right, the country yeah. and playing rock and roll. And, you yeah. know, wait a minute, this is not in my plan. And But the way that she offered me grace and love and even listened to me, and she said, well, I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to take care of it with or without you. And um, I started going to all the doctor's appointments and um, really thankful in hindsight that, that God gives you nine months to put your head on straight and really prepare yeah. yourself. Cause for her, it was reality. And for me, I was one foot in and one foot out. Right. I was still playing music and in, in the band and stuff. And, um, but the day Hannah was born changed my life. Like I had never, you know, like I said, I grew up with both my parents dying mm-hmm. and end up in a situation where my uncle beat me up and talked crazy, awful to me, you know, was an alcoholic. And I thought if, God is a loving God. He didn't think a lot about me to take my parents away from me and to, you know, me to be, I just thought I had a pretty crappy hand and I didn't have much use for God, to be honest. And I was angry and bitter. And, but when Hannah was born, it changed my life. She came out, her eyes just opened. The doctor carried her across the room and her head just kind of followed me the whole time. (laughs) And I knew in that moment, moment there was something else and I wanted to figure out what it was. And it was, it happened quick for me. I started chasing after God immediately, and I wanted to be everything that I never had. I mean, I cut my hair. I bought a minivan. You know, I didn't quit the band what right off the bat, but I was like every dad that I looked at that I admired or whatever. You know, we were the first in our friend group to have kids, so we were trailblazers in that yeah. sense. Nobody, you know, had right. kids and and didn't know what to That's awesome. Yeah. They didn't know what to say or yeah. think, you know. And here I sit an empty nester at 47 with a lot of yeah, gas man. in the tank right. on the backside. But in that moment, you know, um, it was tough. And But I had known that, you know, I, I, every parent or family that I admired and looked to, that was a common denominator. Oh, oh back look wow. at that. He was saving that. Hey, bonus points. Yeah. Um, but that they were involved in church and they were yeah. followers of Jesus. And we started going to every church shop and, you know, immediately. And we, from that moment, you know, I stayed at Lena's house when we came home from the hospital. And then, because Hannah's born on the 15th of December and 
Christmas Eve, I said, will you and Hannah come back and stay with my at my house? And she did, and we, we never spent another day apart. I, mm. That was a question I had out of that. Obviously, when you when you have a child, for all of us, we've been blessed to do that. It's an immediate love that you've never known before as soon as yeah. you see that child. But but with your wife, what, what was the falling in love process like for that part of it? I'm curious because obviously you're – you're immediately welded into this situation together, but but how does that part work about falling? Obviously, you you fell in love, but how did that work? Well, you know, Lena was all even when we were dating. She was the coolest chick that I ever dated in my whole life. The one that was easy. That like, I mean, we would go backcountry camping and like, hey, do you want to get a backpack and like we'll just hike seven miles into the fire gizzard or wherever, and we'll just whatever we carry, we'll do it. And she was in, you know, and yeah. and even you know not my proudest moment or immature, but she would like see a girl when we were dating. She's like, look at her. She's not. I'm like, are you real? Like you're trying to get me to look <laughs> yeah. at another girl. Is this a trick? I'm like, no, but just, she was so sweet to me. And, and she gave me more grace than I ever deserved. Yeah. I mean, cause I was, you know, I was not a hundred percent there during the whole nine months. I mean, it took me a little while trying to figure out. I had still had a girlfriend, you know, that tried to kind of come back in the picture. And, and Lena was so sweet and so graceful. It was unreal. It was supernatural. And she had an experience at a revival here in town that, you know, rocked my world and really kind of led me to, to wanting what she had. You know, she had, she was at a revival one night when she found out she got pregnant. She, when she found out she got pregnant, this is before she even told me, she went to this revival that was going on at this church in Hendersonville that was called the chapel. She went there, she was, you know, moved, and then she went to Waffle House. She, as she's sitting there that night, her youth pastor walks in. And she was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I was hanging out at the church, and I was at this revival. And he's like, I, you know, she's like, I didn't see you. And he goes, well, I was there, and the Lord told me to go to Waffle House. He goes, I know that sounds crazy, but he told me to go to Waffle House, and here I am. And she's like, I'm pregnant. And she hadn't seen him in years. Right. And that was the moment that she came back to Jesus, you know, right there. And just the way that she offered me grace and loved me and forgave me for all the crappy stuff that I did. And and I fell in love with her. She was She's the most awesome woman in the whole planet. It's finally like God opened my eyes to see what was sitting right in front of me the whole time. Yeah. You know. See, so, so your relationship with the Lord, like, was there a moment for you, like, where you're like, this is real, the Holy Spirit, I felt it for the first time, or was it well, a gradual? it was a little gradual. I mean, I, I did experience the miracle of that child being born, and I was like, I want to, there's more to this. And yeah. and I started going to a bunch of different churches, and I'll be honest, I was, we were calling it church shopping, and one church I went to, I'm not making any names, but they presented the pastor with a Rolex for 20 years of service. And I've like got $25 in the bank. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're asking you for bank. that $20. And, and, when and I'm like, place. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, no. Nope. And then another place they're waving flags and raising hands and freaked me out. I'm like, I don't know about this. And I finally found a church that really spoke to us. And they, it was called, um, God, why at the time. And, and it was a place for those seeking direction and had questions and they were covering the topic of money and he's like you know i'd always taught that money was the root of all evil and he was like no it's actually the love of money is the root of all evil and the way they taught and i met a pastor there by the name of jimmy hendrix he's a white jimmy hendrix oh nice and crazy enough he used to be married to mama cass of the mamas and papas and I was like, wait a minute, you know the Bible and you like got this background. Like, And he invited Lena and I to be a part of his small group. And 
I was like eating it up, asking that dude questions. And he kind of really helped me. He and the pastor of that church, John McLean, really helped me at that time, you know, grow in my faith. And and God would start to speak to me in ways that I never even dreamed possible. Um, when he really became real, when I, when I knew that without a doubt, Lena and I were looking to buy a house. Actually, we weren't looking to buy a house. I'll be honest. Like I said, I, did, I knew that I couldn't buy a house. Lena is a big dreamer. And with God, all things are possible in Lena's world. And I was still getting there. And so we were driving around and we would do this. We Y'all ever drive around and look at houses, just dream yeah. you know, oh, stuff yeah. that you couldn't afford? We used to hit the open houses like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we did. We yeah. hit an open house because she knew the realtor's <laughs> name, you know, recognized the realtor. I was like, I oh, know. I'm like, all right, we'll go in, say hi. And we go in and we had Hannah with us, who was about a year and a half, two <clears> years old with us. And so we're looking at the house, walking around it and making small talk. And Lena's like, what do you think? I was like, it's an awesome house way out of our league like we can't buy a house <laughs> she's like well let's pray about it i'm like oh, okay babe we'll pray about it we're gonna pray about which room yeah, we're gonna and, buy now, try to and, live in. and so i was like all right we'll pray about it and then she goes no right here i'm like babe there's other people around like, this is new to me let's just get a you cookie know? and go <laughs> yeah, exactly right yeah. and so we got down on some shag carpet not got down on some shag carpet that was not later that after we closed yeah um, but no we did get down i'm oh, sorry prayed on that shag carpet in the back room and i met i was praying with one eye open like other people coming in the room like this is so embarrassing but we she did it and she started saying God, if this is the house that you have for us, I pray that you would make a way to make it happen and that you would open every door and, and that this, if this is your will, that it would be done. I was like, all right, sounds good. Amen. <laughs> and so we're about to leave and, and the little realtor was like, hey, you should make an offer. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, Lena, can we talk for a second? <laughs> and we're young, 24 years old. And so she says, yeah, we'll make an offer. I'm like, will we? So (laughs) back in the day, and it was only like, I shouldn't say only, it was $115,000. And for us, that was a lot of money. Now looking back, I wish I still had that house. But but anywho, um, we made an offer and went home. And we kind of had what I like to call moments of intense fellowship at my house. (laughs) Y'all ever had that? Yeah, yeah. a lot of kumbaya singing and holding hands. I just kind of went into it a little bit. I was like, listen, this is a huge thing. Like, I understand you are a woman of faith, and I appreciate that. But a credit report is a credit report. (laughs) And I had a car, a Jeep, like, repossessed two years ago. But I was like, we can't do this. You know, it's not going to happen. And you're just, it's embarrassing. Like, well, we can't do this. And she came out with me with those COC roots that that you guys have. Speaking King James. Ye of little faith, if you have the faith of mustard seed, you could move a mountain. And she just starts quoting scripture and verse in her hand, like little finger coming at me. And I just said, Hard to argue with scripture. Yeah. Especially when they're firing the King James at you. I know. And I just like walked out the back door and I'm like, You are crazy. Like, and I went to get my car and the light Were the lights flickering when she was doing this? No. The house was shaking. I I got in the car and drove off and I was like, I'm done. And I looked at my tank and I have like, already the lights on I was like I ain't got enough money or gas to be riding around and and realize that you know hey I'm in this thing with her like I can't just turn around and leave like I've got to come face this and I went back in the house and I'm, like, I'm sorry babe I don't you know this is just is what it is I want to believe I really want to believe and I don't know if I can and so she said well we're going to pray about it and I was like oh, here we go 
Oh, we already did that. <laughs> yeah. And so she started praying and she was like, Lord, whosoever paperwork this stuff comes across their desk, that they would just say yes and not even know why they say yes, that things would disappear that don't need to be there. And I'm thinking, well, God, if you're going to do it, this is the way it's yeah. going to have to be done. <laughs> and he's, she's going on and, and it finally happens. You know, we, we get a call. They accept our offer. And I'm like, oh, gosh, we're in so much trouble. I'm like, see what you've gotten us into. And so Usually that's a we, joyful moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was not because the financing had to go through. And so I, I sit down with the lady, and she's like, yeah, Mr. Wooten, we're all good. You know, this is what your payment's going to be. It was like only 800 bucks a month. Can you imagine how $800 oh, a month? Yeah, those were the good God, old days. That's the good old yeah, days. That's, that's basically free. And I, and I was still, <laughs> I was still yeah. sweating that, to be yeah. honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at the time, you know, I said, hey, can we talk for a second? I was like, yeah, something's up here. I was like, I've had a car repossessed. My credit is not good. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to save face here. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk in the back room? Did you spell my like, name right? I was like, I have a cousin named Josh Wooten. Yeah. I'm thinking that there's yeah. something. There. He's a doctor. I'm and, sure. And she be. looks at me and she goes, "Well, it's not here. It's not." And she shows me the credit report, and I'm like, "I got a 792. Yeah, like let's go. <laughs> they like, lost a Jeep, honey. They I'm forgot like, about it. I'm like, yeah. all of it was gone. Yeah, I kid you not. And I sat there, and we got the keys, and I felt like I'd robbed somebody. Like we went and break in the house, you know, with the keys, <laughs> and I just walked around. I thought, this is this is not real life. This can't be happening. And I told her, I was like, well, I've got band practice. Go buy an air mattress and a bucket of KFC. I'll meet you back here after band practice, and we're staying in this month tonight. Yeah, before they come see. take it back. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I did, and I went over at the band house at the time, and I pulled into the driveway, and there was this guy blocking the driveway. Their neighbor's van or somebody's van was blocking the driveway. And I was grumbling a bit, and I looked at his license plate, and it said MRK 1124. I was like these sneaky Christians hiding yeah. Bible verses on their you know, <laughs> gonna, license plates. I'm going to look that up. And I was like, yeah. actually, I had a Bible yeah. right there because, I, like I said, I was digging into the Word. I was wanting to know everything I could. And I opened my Bible to Mark 11, 24, and it was Jesus talking to his disciples, and it was in the red letters. And it says, Therefore I tell you, anything that you ask for, believe that you have received it, and it shall be yours. Ooh. I sat there and just wept like a baby like my hair right now just, yeah you got me and i, I was just it was like there. god came right down and just patted me on the back and said i got you and i was like at that moment it was he was so real not only is he the god of the creator of the universe and all this stuff but he wanted to help screw up josh have a new shot at life and you know my parents never even really owned a house and here i am 24 years old have no business in the situation that i'm in with keys to a house, a wonderful woman, a beautiful baby, a minivan, and a haircut. And I went in there to band practice, yeah. and I was like, I was on cloud nine. I freaked him out. I know. I came in rolling in like a Pentecostal. <laughs> I mean, I did. I was like, you guys are never going to believe this. There's license plate out there, and I'm crying like yeah. snot bubble crying. I can't yeah. believe it. And Mark 11, 24, and I got a house. And they're all like, you got a house? <laughs> Like, own a house? I'm like, not even rent, man. We own it. And blah. And Brad's like, how? You got your Jeep repossessed. Like, dude. I'm like, dude, it's gone. I'm telling the whole story. And so, yeah, the rest is kind of history. You know, even when I was trying to quit smoking, God used a license plate to stop me from smoking. Craziest thing. I got to start watching license plates for signs. Apparently. It felt like Bruce Almighty, you know, yeah, and he's yeah. like, ah, give me a sign and all the stuff going on. 
I was trying to fight smoking cigarettes one day and was about to just drive to an ATM to pull out $25, $20 to go back to the gas station to buy a pack of smokes when I was trying to quit. And the license plate said, why smoke? Then I pulled up next to the red light. I'm like, who puts that on their license plate? And with a pack okay, of cigarettes God, out the window. God, I'm listening to yeah. you. So that's so, how I came to know Jesus. Like, what? was real. Well, obviously, we're all going through this whole dad thing and Christian walk and feeling like we're screwing up a lot. So I want to pick your brain about just some advice. Um, Like for you as you're, you know, at this point, you've got a baby girl. Rhyme is not even born yet. But at some point, they start growing up and you're becoming like learning how to be the best dad you can be. Like talk about how you became like a spiritual leader for your family. Like when did that happen? Well, or, I, and how I started volunteering at the church. Like I got voluntold, you know, you had oh, you yeah. getting yeah. ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You had your wives sign you up both up for kids oh, yeah. ministry. And I was helping in kids ministry. Our kids pastor took a sabbatical for like six months. And I was at this point, I had moved into full-time video work. I had my own video company and I was working, doing some editing at another place, but I also had my own company and I had a, one client that paid really well actually I had Garth Brooks was my only client and I was like archiving all of his footage I'm like, glad I asked this question if <laughs> you're going to have a client yeah. have Garth Brooks yeah. Yeah. we almost didn't I was working at that editing house in Nashville and his people came in with like 16 boxes of all these different formats and mediums you know from ADAT to you know real to real all this old stuff you know mini DVDs all these DVDs and whatnot and they wanted it archived on DVD and on hard drives. And so it was like him and Trisha's stuff, like 16 boxes of every television performance, award show, commercial, you know, star search, whatever it was, it was all there and it needed to be archived. And our boss just told the guy, we don't have the time or the resources to be able to do this. And I was like, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. <laughs> come on, come over here. And he's yeah. like, yeah. you're not going to let him walk out the door. I will take this myself. I assure you I'll get it done, not on this company time, but I'm going to figure out a way to make that work. And so he goes, if you want it, He's in my office. Go talk to him. So I was like, whew, 23-year-old Josh has gotten yeah. Let me walk in here and <laughs> take care well, of this. Let me see what we can do yeah. here, you know. <laughs> and I landed the deal, and, and so I trained my – wife to be able to import footage and and hired a couple of 16 17 year old kids import footage and say you can't show this anywhere because i mean there were home videos of trisha like singing in the living room into a hairbrush and not just literally into a hairbrush but like old school stuff and um so i was making great money so when this guy took a sabbatical i was like yeah i can step in and help in children's ministry and so i did it for like six months and six months turned into eight months and we had a camp coming up, and I'm like, when's he coming back? Mm-hmm. You know, this is fun and all, but, yeah. you know. And so, anywho, yeah, he just went, and he took a break, and the church board voted, unbeknownst to me, that I was going to be their next children's pastor. <laughs> Once again, I'm like, I'm the last person on yes. earth. I told my wife I was the last person on earth. She wanted to be the father of a child. Yeah. And and my wife finally goes, how come you're, everybody in this place knows that you're supposed to do this except for you? Mm-hmm. And What are your feelings? Is it, is it doubt, fear? I mean, what are you thinking at this point? Fear, man. Yeah. I mean, it was fear and doubt. 
you know, because then, as the listeners have heard, it's not like you've been trained in this. No. It's like, oh, you haven't seen my eight degrees in this. No, on I didn't go to seminary. And I told my pastor this, who had his master's yeah. or doctorate. And I was like, I got into hey. this through a license plate, sir. Like, I only know Mark 11. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mark 11, 24. Because yeah. my uncle I may have made that license plate back when I was 18 years old. Um, not knowing what it meant. <laughs> but um, I, he said, Josh. He said the disciples only followed Jesus around for three years, and they changed the world. He said, I don't read anywhere in Scripture that says you have to have a degree to have a calling. And God doesn't uh, uh, call the equipped. He equips the called. He goes, there is no doubt that you are called. He goes, I had somebody, another pastor, you didn't even know he's a pastor, come into your class to evaluate our curriculum. And he goes, you know what he told me? And he goes, this guy's been in ministry for 25 years and at the highest levels of the largest churches in America. And he said, the curriculum's good, but your greatest asset is the young man that you have leading that class. Wow. And I said, me? And he says, yeah. And <laughs> Who so, was doing it that day? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I, I begrudgingly said yes, and I think that's kind of what worked well is I didn't have that background of growing up in church. I mean, I went on the weekend some with my grandma, but... I was the kid that didn't quite fit in. I mean, uh, my parents were hippies, and I had long hair, and they're like, oh, she's so cute. I'm like, I'm a dude. (laughs) I'm not wearing pink. Yeah, I'm like, and so I I didn't like church growing up as a kid, and so here was my clean slate to go, I want to make kids want to come to church. I want them to be something they look forward to and not something that they have to go to like I did when I was a kid. And, you know, I, I just opened up with God and got a lot of great mentors and and was had a lot of great men in my life that have been doing it a whole lot longer than me, um, mentor me and, and took a lot of classes and, and, you know, courses and stuff and read a lot of books and I was just hungry. And gosh, here I am 20 something years later going, I still don't feel like I have any business doing this in some cases, but I think it's awesome how God can go from using what I would a hundred percent agree was the last person on earth Lena would have wanted to be the father of her child to now she and I go around the country and speak at conferences to thousands of people about parenting and marriage and that's only God can do something like that only God yeah well, and obviously we ad- admire you as a person, and we admire you. I admire you as a you father. You need to get out more. Yeah, I, I do, I do. It's, it's, it's only the denominator studio and work. It's all I yeah. do. But I can see the way that you've parented your children, and obviously they, they're doing pretty darn well. And I think we've all taken, or at least part of us have taken your uh, parenting class. What's a good go-to advice? What are the, and, and I'm asking this, and then I'm also stating something else. My favorite thing that you said was the four C's of parenting. After that, could you touch on that as well? Yeah, and this doesn't come from me. This is one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Ron Hunter, but he... Let me say Dr. Ruth. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) We'll cut that out. Um, (laughs) um, The four C's of parenting are first. uh, The first C is a caregiver. When your child is completely incompetent of caring for themselves at all. When they're babies, you change them, you feed them. Keep them alive. They can't do anything on their own, and you are their sole caregiver. And then the next C is cop. You know, hey, don't touch your finger in that light socket. <laughs> Stay away from that. You run a woo, writing tickets all day. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do, you know, you, that's what you do. And the third C is coach. And that's where you train up a child, as scripture says. You coach them up and then you let them go out and experience things and then come back. Well, how did that work out? You know, what could we have done better? Yeah. You know, and, and you really coach. And one of the things I see in a lot of parents is they don't move from cop to coach. 
I mean, by the time your kids are middle school and, and you know, uh, hopefully elementary, but, you know, I know parents of high schoolers that are still in cop mode. I'm like, no high schooler wants the cops around all the time. Like, you've got to learn to coach. And the last C is where I'm at is the consultant phase when you're – kids move out and they just want your opinion and your money every now and then so <laughs> in no particular order and right? they can either yeah. take it or leave it they don't yeah. even have to abide by your you know right what advice you give them so those are what i like to call the four c's of parenting but parenting advice it is about heart connection above everything else you know i really believe there there are no perfect kids your kids are going to screw up and and it is not your fault when they screw up you know a lot of parents base their success as a parent on the actions or behaviors of their child and the only person you have any control over is yourself as a parent now you are the greatest influence over your kids life like whether you believe it or not i know there was many years i did not believe i had any influence on my kid like it was the exact opposite are you kidding me they're not listening to anything I say, and they're doing the exact opposite. But the truth is we do have more influence, but our kids are watching us at all times. They are going to do what we do, not what we tell them to do. In other words, show is much better mm. than tell when it comes to parenting. Yeah. And making that heart connection with your kids, I keep saying it over and over, like rules without relationship will equal rebellion in your kids. If you don't have a relationship and all you're doing is running around telling them to enforce rules to, to initiate behavior modification with them, you're going to find yourself tired and exhausted and at your wits end and no relationship with your kid. But if you have that heart connection, there's nothing that can get in between that. And as a parent, I know Adam's heard me say this, but saying I'm sorry to your kids mm-hmm. is some of the two most powerful words you can say to them. Like when we as dads... We have to go alpha mode on them sometimes. And unfortunately, I've learned that yelling doesn't work. It might assert my dominance for a short season or or kids like may get them to act like I want them to for a certain season. But you will lose respect to your children if you raise your voice at them and and yell at them. And so I think some of the hardest times I've had with my son, I've had to go, dude, I'm so sorry. That's not the dad I want to be. That's not the man I want to be. I messed up. I lost my cool. I hope you can forgive me. And I remember the first time I did it when he was like four, he's looking at me like, wait a minute. Wait, you <laughs> asked, you're even, telling me. I don't even know you I anymore. Like, yeah. I was like, do you forgive me, Robin? He's like, I didn't know that dad was supposed to ask for forgiveness. Like, yeah, buddy, I'm, I'm a person just like you, and I don't have all the answers. I was a little boy too, and, I, I'm, you know, I, you guys don't come with a book. I'm trying the best that I can. And whenever you do have those tough disciplinary times and, and you have to – not bring the hammer down, but you got to let the, let them walk out some consequences for their behavior. I always pray with them, you know, even on the backside of it, as hard as it is. And sometimes my wife had to remind me, did you pray with them? Well, no, I just got in this stuff. I'm yeah. No, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I, was, I, I whooped them, but I forgot to pray with them. Yeah. yeah and, and I think hmm. that it, we talked about this this last week, you know, everybody, re, it's common to revert to that verse of spare the rod and spoil the child. Yeah. But, you know, the shepherd's staff, the rod was used to comfort. Yeah. protect the sheep yep. not to whip the sheep into submission and you get a lot further with your kids making that heart connection and connecting with them and and understanding them you know telling them i don't expect you to be perfect you know there's all kinds of things that are going to mess up but having that relationship you know not being their friend because my role is to not be their friend i'm their dad but i do want to have relationship because without it you know you're going to have a kid that when they turn 18 they're gone because they don't want to be with their parents. And I want to be the kind of house that my kids are still. My daughter called me up at 22. Hey, what are y'all doing for dinner? Let's go hang out. 
Yeah. Open door policy. Yeah. And but, something you said just really resonated with me because I have a nine-year-old daughter. And right now, she's in third grade. Right now, the big push in the public school system is this reading comprehension having to be a certain level to pass the fourth grade. It's it's chaotic right now. So there's a ton of stress on teachers, ton of stress on parents to do these practice tests, keep doing these drills. And we've been in the grind of, hey, we got to make sure our reading efficiency is good. We've got to get past the fourth grade. And I, I'm the first to admit and raise my hand, hey, the only way I know to attack a problem, we got to grind. I'm a, I'm a grinder. That's what I do. When I can't figure out something, I grind on it. I grind on it. And I could tell, like, in the last couple of weeks, like, our daughter, she just miserable going to school. She was just upset a lot and, and kind of when she gets upset, she gets kind of she pulls back and, and gets kind of in her own head a little bit and just gets very quiet. So it's probably last week. I tell she's really upset and I went to her room and I was like, what's going on? And she's nothing. I'm fine. You know, gives me that two or three times. I kind of close the door. I'm like, get down and sit with her. I'm like, I need you to talk to me because I know something's bothering you and it's my job to find out if I can help you. And she just breaks down in tears and she says, I just feel like I'm expected to be perfect right now. And that with school, you and mommy are really trying to make sure that I get every answer right. And it was like this aha moment from God. Thank the Lord I found some words and like, look, we don't ever expect you to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I've messed up today and had that whole conversation. And man, man, it's been a lot better since then. And that was a real aha moment for me. So when you said that about perfection, that that is a relevant statement for me right now. And so... Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I also wanted to share something, call it a, a poorly named segment called Dad Dumps. It's kind of what we like to do on the show to kind of share our successes. We're not good at naming stuff, Josh. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. a perfect name. <laughs> we like to share our you successes and failures and yeah. funny moments that we have as dads and husbands and all that. And you, you touched on this in the interview with us, but I, you had kind of worded it a little bit differently when I watched the uh, Northfield interview. You basically said that you know when your daughter was born, it was like you were witnessing a miracle, and then and that you you saw, you know Jesus, in your daughter, and that she allowed you so much grace. And I I almost teared up a little bit when I was driving down the road, you know, listen to it because, well, first off, I I like to nominate myself for husband of the year uh, <laughs> because I allowed my uh, not allowed just I was okay with my wife to on a girl's trip to Hawaii for five days left. <sighs> Left me with three kids, so under I, six, I, by the under way. under six, yeah, for five days. You've moved up in the line yeah. of heaven right now. So yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm a saint. Okay, yeah. what can I say? Look at that light shine off his forehead. You <laughs> yeah. see yeah. it right now. So so, so about some neck workouts for all the <laughs> jewels you. in your crown. <laughs> <laughs> but but in any event, so we're like three four days into her being away, and things are going pretty good. But I'm one of these people that like I'm cool, I'm calm until I'm not. Like it, it just kind of boils up. And, Do their own or off. Yeah, yeah, and and for whatever reason, it just boiled up this night, and the kids just I got tired of always getting on to them, and they had pulled some stuff out of the closet. They're doing Play-Doh or whatever, and I went to go, you know, put some toys back up, and I just realized this closet's a mess. I've got to reorganize the whole thing. It's going to take so much time, and it just it got to me. And so, of course, I did a very mature thing, and I I decided I was going to kick over some of the toys. <laughs> <laughs> give you something else so i got i got pissed yeah. and i i you know poorly demonstrated in front of my kids what not to do and they just just kind of kept their distance from dad so i had my little hissy fit and um, then i just kind of went back and i just had to isolate myself for like maybe 20 30 minutes i just kind of laid down in bed and i was like guys i, I need a minute you know just, just let daddy have some time to himself 
And so I came out later to clean up the mess that I had made. And my six-year-old son, Jackson, comes over to me. <laughs> and he goes, like, hey, can I help you with that, Daddy? And I was like, I can't believe this kid. Like, I don't deserve this right now. Like, he's actually coming over, volunteering to help clean up the mess that I made. And I'm like, if that's not seeing Jesus in my own kid, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. So when I heard you talk about that, that's, like, instantly, like, what, what hit home with me, just thinking about how my son reacted to me acting like a fool, basically. So learning moment as a dad, you know? Yeah, I, man. I was, I was going to say, too, really quick, uh, one of the other things that I got of the class, you said they'll learn and model your behavior, how you respond to crisis, they'll respond the same way. That really affected me, too. And that, I think it's kind of along the lines you're talking about. It's like those are things that they will model for the rest of their life. They saw dad freak out about something. That means I got to freak out about something. Yeah. Or it's okay to, to flip out and cuss and kick and punch somebody. I guess, you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Unfortunately true in my case many <laughs> times. But I think as we get older and we get mature, we realize these things. You know, we need to be reminded. And that's what's cool about even podcasts like this. You guys are being able to encourage other dudes and other dads. And, and to, you know, hey, there are no such thing as perfect parents. But it's about getting back up every day and going, okay what can I do to better myself and and what can I do to to fix that you know Mm because we're dudes we like to fix things and so I think it's it's a great to even have this conversation yeah always good to remind myself you know it's wild how you can have two kids in the same house raised under the same rules and be so completely different. oh gosh I amen to that brother that's a whole nother episode You always, you know, you you think about the old man. We always talked about, like, oh, he's so set in his ways, you know, get off my lawn type of guy. And I think as we get older, like, I find myself feeling like that. Oh, yeah. I'm young. Those mistakes mistakes you make with your kids that you repeat, you know, maybe for a period of time. And you look back and you're like, man, how how long has it been? Can I change, you know? And so I don't know. I just opened up to the group. Like, how do y'all deal with that? Like, I don't know if it's the, the guilt aspect of some things that maybe you regret doing. But then how do you change course? Like, how do you not make the past the past and do something different going forward? Well, we'll let the expert weigh in on that, and the non-expert here in me, in, 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 in my Binkley. yes, in my I'm stubborn to learn things. First of all, let me say that is part of the beauty in parenting is you never quit learning either. For anybody that's, that doesn't have kids yet or is about to have a kid, it's not like when you get a owner's manual when you buy a new car. They they, they literally say, "Hey, don't trip over anything while you're holding the baby." and good luck the beauty is really when you realize that you're learning like for me that was an aha moment and i learned something of like holy crap my daughter who doesn't not have the wisdom really to know what she was saying in that moment she was just telling me how she was feeling but there was it wasn't wisdom for her in that moment it was for me yeah. and I, you know that was like lance is saying that's that's through christ he's like i'm the words are put in her mouth for me so I've prayed about that moment a lot since then in the last couple of weeks. And I've, I've seen like, she's not as tough as I am. I mean, for me, like I go back to the grinder, I might need Ryan to tell me like, man, just get your head up and, and get your butt in gear. That works for me. That's probably what's going to work for my son. He's the same way. Mm-hmm. But for her, she's not like that. Yeah. She, she needs the support and needs to feel like I don't have the expectations set that are unattainable for her. So I feel like I've gotten some wisdom through, praying about it and with that come some patience to kind of where i would normally trigger on something oh you missed five on this how are you not understanding that that's not the right answer instead it's like well take me through your process why why you think that's right so that's sort of for me what seemed to work the last couple weeks 
Pretty impressive, Big Clay. Yeah, well, stay tuned. Don't give your, yeah. yeah, I've got a lot more mistakes to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was a book that we studied as a staff, and then we did our church went through it, and, and it was actually a p- component for kids. It, the, the original book was called I Said This, You Heard That. And it was about communication and the different temperaments and colors that, that go along with the different temperaments. And they had a, another offshoot of that, a kid's study called How to Understand Your Kids Wiring. And that is a book that I wish I had hmm. when I was starting out. Because like you, I would talk to my son the way I think that he needs to hear it, yeah, but yeah. not understanding what he really needed from me. And he's an introvert and we're real extroverts. And it really rocked me and com- Victim me and now I'm you know the good thing is it's never too late even if they are older you know and and I've had to sit them down and go dude I've screwed up a lot you know sometimes I've I didn't abide by my own wisdom that I that I share you know I, I tell parents all the time and you guys see it that mom and dad's trying to prepare the the path out in front of their kids and get all the obstacles out of the way of their life and making sure they got smooth sailing and our job as parents is not to prepare the path for our kid but to prepare our kid for the path Mm -hmm. because we are not always going to be there to be able to clear out all the obstacles and we need to strengthen them and and equip them to be able to face whatever life is going to throw at them and for Ryman's sake you know he's in the music business and and he had to be honest, he had, didn't have to pay any dues. He had a record deal when he's like 15 years old and just had a tractor trailer truck show up at the house with an entire studio from his record label so he could have a studio at home. And he didn't have to work for any of it. And, you know, it's just like basically here's your recording budget, pick your producer, videos and all this stuff and no dues to pay. And there's people that move to this town and spend 10 years before they get a meeting with one of the writers he was working with and um but in that now that he's 18 he wanted to go to belmont and i tried to talk him out of it i don't think i'm the only dad in the world trying to talk to a kid <laughs> out of going to college <laughs> like no you don't need it <laughs> he wanted an experience and he went and his record label dropped him because you know they'd been waiting on him to finish school for three years and paying all this money and then he was like i'm going to school for four years y'all I'm, you know i can still do this and they're like you're not committed and so he lost it and now all of a sudden he kind of went back and he's now he's living by himself in east nashville he quit belmont real quick and you know taking other meetings and still things are really happening and going well and i feel confident he'll get another deal uh, in the future but it's kind of nice that he's having to pay dues now yeah. but as a dad now that he's on his own you know I show up at his house and he's like, how do I fix this toilet? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, I never showed the kid how to fix a toilet. Like I just did it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like just the little stuff that right, you wonder. Yeah, right. I'm at the season going, have I done enough, yeah. you know, to set him out? Because man. he had just so much just given to him. I'm glad to hear you uh-huh. say that. Cause that's something I struggle with of like, no, just let me have it. I'll fix it. Yep. And I'm like, God, I missed such a moment there to like sit down with him balance. and try to figure out, put his yeah. toy back together. Yeah. Oh, I'll say this is going to sound like a brag. It's not. It's it's basically a story of how many missed opportunities I've had. But Reed is will be 13 in March, and it was I guess two weekends ago. I was like, you know what? We haven't sh- the windshield wipers haven't been changed in like two years. With the, no telling what the air filters look like. You know, the old cabin air filter <laughs> yeah, has oh, never yeah. been changed. Y'all are breathing mold for years. And now. so I called Reed. I was just one of those moments. I think the Lord was like speaking to me. Like we're sitting around on Saturday doing nothing. He's like, just take this moment. And I told Reed, I was like, hey, buddy, I want you to run a few errands. And he's immediately like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, do I have to, Dad? Yeah, and I, and I knew what I was getting ready to say was not going to make it worse. Like, okay, Dad, let me jump in the car. And so I was like, hey, 
we're gonna we're gonna do some work on the car. I want you to actually go to the auto parts store with me. I want you to figure out where the parts are on the shelf. He's like, okay. And I tell you what, he had an amazing time. Yeah, he loved it and it made him feel like good, like he learned something. He did it. You know, I helped him a little bit, but I just sat back there and I felt that feeling of like pride, like, hey, Lord, thank you for moving me out of the right. way and giving me just a little small idea. But at the same time, like what y'all were just saying, it's like reminding myself to take more of those opportunities. Yeah, well, that's what it was just as good for me as it was for him. Probably yeah. better for me than him. And if he gets too big a head, send him in for blinker fluid. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> you walk around for 30 minutes. <laughs> we all know reasons are lacking for confidence. Yeah, so. Exactly right. <laughs> He'll come out with something he thinks is blinker fluid. why I said it. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the, there aren't many scriptures uh, on parenting directly. But, you know, Deuteronomy 6, uh, 6 through 9, I believe it is. Press these truths upon your children. Talk about them as you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, as you do life, find ways to find teachable moments. And that's mm-hmm. what the the trick in parenting is is to kind of have your god goggles on recognizing okay when can i teach because it happens so mm-hmm. fast a friend of mine's a songwriter casey bethard mm-hmm. and we talk about trying to figure out what's going on with your kid's life you know they're not usually going to tell you hey how was your day good what'd you learn nothing you know right <laughs> talk about church jesus yeah. what else god yeah. you know <laughs> but he and, and we play a little game called mad sad glad at my house just to get people talking at the table you know kids will, won't tell you about how rough their day was one thing made you mad sad glad you guys know it y'all had it in in an episode Mm -hmm. but had a buddy of mine that would throw uh play catch with his son they're both all football players one of them actually is playing backup quarterback to at the jacksonville jaguars uh cj bethard oh Um, yeah 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 but his dad casey's a songwriter a friend of mine he was playing catch with the boys and he goes you know they think we're just playing catch but that's how i get to know what's going on in their world, you yeah. know? And he went to actually write that idea one day with somebody, and he goes, it just didn't sing as well, but he turned out writing a song by Trace Atkins called uh, She Thinks We're Just Fishing. And that's where mm. that whole song wow. came from, yeah. is oh, that yeah. that story of him playing catch with his boys, but that's how he would find out where they talk about girls. They talk about school. They talk, you know, and he's like, he, they just think we're playing catch. And yeah. that's kind of where that song came from. Ooh, I'm putting that one in the holster. Yeah. My son loves to throw football. Yeah, that's a good one to have <laughs> right got, there. I've got one more just thought that's been just wrestling around in my brain for a couple of weeks off and on. Was, uh, Josh, I'm curious your take on it because I felt like it's something that I haven't learned. I've had moments where I feel like I see it and experience it, but I haven't been able to sustain it. And it's the thought of like seeing your children as God's children. Like those times, like even, you know, we all, I, th- I think that the stigma is like moms worry more than dads. And that may be true. I, I don't know, but I know dads worry quite a bit. We just don't let as many people know that we're worried. Yeah, we internalize pretty well. And so I, th- I feel like in the last year, I've had several moments where I've hit, maybe it's a day or maybe a week where I'm like, God's got Reed, you know, he's got Grant. I can't screw it up. You know, he's going to take them wherever he wants them. But how do, how do you, I don't know, Josh, have you ever found a way for you where you've been able to just sit in that pocket of just trusting the Lord has control of your kids? <laughs> well, you got to get real. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, we were having a good time, yeah. man. Oh, man. Um, well, you know, my daughter's moral compass is stronger than anybody's I know. Like that chick, she wanted to do the right thing at all costs and please God with her life. Like yeah. she 
waited till she was married. You know, didn't have her first kiss till almost college. Sorry, hand dog, putting all your business out. Yeah. You'll never hear this. <laughs> but, um, she, you know, even like today, she loves to lead worship. Like, I mean, she made me look like a much better dad than I ever was. Now, my son, he's got a lot of me in him. And, you know, paying, like for, I that, said, paying for that. I'm paying raising. for all of it. Yeah. And I'll be honest, you know, gosh, as much as I wanted to support him and his desire to be a musical artist you know part of me goes oh my gosh could you do anything else under the sun except for this and then you wind up having to be good you know it's like <laughs> you know why do you have talent can't son? you just be like you know not good and do something else you know because it was hard i mean he was on a hip-hop label out of brooklyn same guy that signed Nipsey Hussle side rhyming. <laughs> like I'm walking in the office and they all have to like, it smells like they've been wrestling skunks in there. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're like, you know, hey, everybody, we got a minor in the house. Rhyming's in there. And like, you know, they try to clean it all up for us. But going, this industry is, you know, not yeah. the most wholesome thing in the world. And he's he's not a Christian artist. He's a pop artist who has his own way of doing things and I don't like to dictate his art or tell him what he can and can't do and he's 18 years old right now and I can't and um, had a little more leeway of that when he was under my roof but even I have to give him to God every single morning I mean I pray for Ryman on my face every single morning God help him to learn to hate sin I, this is no secret and I'm not putting his business out he's not doing anything that any other 18 year old under the sun most of them experiment there, and try to been do been there done that yeah, yeah. and and I just, that's my prayer. God, you love him as more than I do, as much as I love him, but it worries the mess out of me. And I told him, I was like, dude, I want you to have fun. I'm not like a fun sucker, but I don't want you to have so much fun. It affects the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Like you got to listen to me and mom, like we're trying to help you. And, and it's tough because as much as you want to do, it's just like God and us, he, you know, we mess up. He won't, we're going to get in his way and, and be our own worst enemies. And I just pray. I wish I had wisdom for you and say I don't worry, yeah. well, but I do. But I remember that Scripture says don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, basically. You know, in Philippians 4.13, not 4.13, I forget, 6.9. I don't know what it is. I'll be honest. We'll get I didn't go to school staff. for that. It's in there. Yeah, it's we'll get our research there. staff on that. Yeah. By, by prayer and petition, present your request to God and thanksgiving, and then he will hear your prayers and guard your heart in Christ Jesus and the peace that passes all understanding to be with you. Something like that is what it talks it's about. And it's just stressing out, you know, but I do. It's a constant just handing them over, going, God, this battle is yours. You can want it all day long, but yeah, and it's. Well, I, th I think your answer, you apologize for, but I think it's great because I think we all tend to get to that point where we feel alone or like somebody else has it figured out, but we're all just working our way through this yeah. thing called yeah. life and being a dad and making a lot of mistakes. And it's always good to hear that somebody else doesn't have it figured out. And I think that's one of the biggest ways Satan, like, is tricking us these days just thinking hey that family over there man they the, got it together oh, they are perfect hey, their, their kids yeah. are perfect they're perfect what's what wrong great with you dad. Yeah. you get the perfect spiral yeah. like, everything's going good for that family <laughs> <laughs> well you know but the thing is and even in the midst of all that you know we have a heart connection like yeah. he'll call me like and and he knows if he's in trouble he can call me and i'm not gonna judge him or get in his business like overboard but i think that's where our heavenly father wants us to be like when we're in trouble we should like want to run to god and not try to hide from him you know and so yeah. often i grew up thinking when i screwed up i'm gonna hide from you know and try to hide it and get away yeah, from pull him. the old adam and eve and hide yeah. in the bushes yeah, <laughs> exactly and, never and so i just want to be 
the one he wants to come to when the wheels on the bus fall off. And I hope that it doesn't happen, but I, well, that's out of my control. You know, something that's hard for us to understand as parents is, is that journey he's on or my daughter's on or, or any of our kids are on is not our journey. Are, are, are we custodians of that? Up to a certain point, yes. But the fact is, whatever your son or my daughter may be going through is shaping their life and their character how God wants it to be, not how we want it to be. And, you know, your your son may take a path and end up being the next Billy Graham. We don't, I mean, you don't know that. You, don't, you have no idea. My devotional last week said that Michael W. Smith moved to Nashville and was actually got – he was, you know, drinking in bars, singing at bars at age 21 and happened to land a gig playing piano with Amy Grant and turned his life around. I'm yeah. like, all right. Mm-hmm. I was got three years to go to turn into Michael W. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Not that he's going to, I don't no, know no, he's going to do that. Got the countdown on, but that's the thing we struggle with so much is to guide our kids. But the fact is, is everything that's happening to them is being used. If you have the faith and believe that it's all being used to shape whatever god has planned for them i mean you look like you said you look at the disciples in the bible that was not the pick of the litter you look at peter this is this is the man i'm gonna build my church on we're like uh uh, peter drafted like the browns yeah it's like what (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's like a four-string fisherman and he's sorry all you cleveland fans yeah yeah well they're used to it he's a fourth-string fisherman that's the the name of this episode yeah yeah (laughs) It's like this guy's denied you like three times, and like, but that was literally the guy that was like, well, okay, that's the guy he built his church on, and it's just like you said, you're a perfect example of man coming out of the darkness. There's a lot of people wanting to give you a nickel's chance of making anything out of your life, and and here you are giving a couple, bunch of boneheads some advice of how to try to spiritually raise your kids. But but man, it's it's a long journey, but like I said, it's a good one. Yeah. For sure. Josh, one more thing uh, before we'll, I think we'll wrap it up. But one thing you said else in your class is uh, no one is more qualified to raise your kids than you. Uh, that also resonated with me. It's like much of what we're talking about is like, you know, you think, well, these kids can't depend on me because I'm screwed up as well. But as you said, God picked you to be their parents, nobody else but you. So he felt like you were qualified to do it. So therefore you are. So I think we learned a lot, man. I hope the, the people listening learned a lot, too. And, man, we appreciate you being here. Any any other words of wisdom you want to drop on us before you head out the door? I don't have any wisdom, man. And you don't have to head out the door. You're welcome to make yourself at home. Brian brought cookies over <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> I'm trying to not do sugar. I'm the fattest guy at the table who uh, doesn't eat sugar. Yeah. Looking at Lance over here, I'm like, goodness oh, gracious. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's stretching, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he does that. Yeah. I'm sucking in my gut over He here. does that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Was it John Maxwell said, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. <laughs> you know, when it comes to the, I think that's solid wisdom. Yeah, you wisdom. Live, yep. live by. Before you go, tell us a little bit more really quick about Ryman, what he's doing, where people can listen to his music, and then if any project that you might be working on. Oh, yeah. Um, my my favorite pop artist is Ryman. Um, his, uh, R-Y-M-A-N. R-Y-M-A-N, the dopest rapper ever. He was born Ryman. He's rhyming in the womb. Um, yeah, you can find him on Spotify, all the things, Apple Music, all that stuff, Instagram, at Ryman Wooten. Um, also, uh, I host a co-host, rather, uh, a family ministry podcast where we talk about parenting, marriage, family ministry, church stuff. It's called the D6 Family Ministry Podcast, and you can check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. What's, so the, what's the D6 stand for? Deuteronomy 6. Ah, uh, I knew there was The Shema. 
All right, man. So if you like what you heard today, there's a lot better and more smarter people over there to listen to on that on those topics. And your daughter is very talented, singing well. Uh, I, yes. for, full disclosure, my favorite version of Defender is by Hannah Wu. Yes, yeah. my favorite version. You can actually find that on Spotify as well. She sings a version of it, I believe, with the Lipscomb um, worship group somehow. And her husband is actually an artist who was on Big Machine Records with Thomas Rhett and all those guys for a while. And now he is um, recently signed with a new label. But Peyton Smith, if you like country music, Peyton is the man. He can shred. I mean, we got a little bit of everything. We got some rap. We got some country. We got some ministry gospel stuff, yeah, mis- yeah. ministry. Your week is going to be full with uh, things to listen to. Around. Yeah, our Thanksgiving uh, jams are about as oh, good man. as anybody's. Man, on that's that. something man. I want to say. Sign me up for one of those. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing yeah. this. It was a blast. For Thank us. you guys for yeah. having me. This is way too much fun for a Tuesday night. Yeah. Let's <laughs> not wait two and a half more years. We'll, that's right. Yeah. Thank you for listening. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. The denominators are Ryan Smith, Kyle Binkley, Lance Jones, and me, Adam Ray. Thanks to Chet Roberts for providing our music. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and tell a friend. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Common Pod. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-P-O-D. And if you have a question or a comment for our group, or you'd like to submit an idea for a future podcast, please email us at commondenominators at gmail.com. That's C-O-M-M-E-N denominators at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.